Good morning, everybody. It's quiet in here. It's actually late coming out to the... I got Kleenex. I got Kleenex not because, well, the Spirit of God makes you move, makes you weep, brings tears of joy, but I got Kleenex because I've been sick as a dog for a week. So I brought the Kleenex just in case I needed to, you know, take care of business. And... Um, so yeah, so the um, a lot of churches have Kleenex out for for weeping, not the kind of weeping when it says weeping and gnashing of teeth, not the kind of weeping, good weeping, tears of joy, not tears of torture, gnashing of teeth, not that kind of weeping. Again, we've been playing around with broadcasting. <clears throat> Got a little closer this week. Last week we tried to broadcast live. To be really clear, that means as it's happening, it's on the internet, the thing out there in space. Yeah, that's what's happening. In case you guys are wondering, what is he talking about? Is this live? Yeah, it's live. You're you're right in front of us, Pastor. Yeah, but it's live on the internet. And so this morning, so that, that didn't work out last week. So this week we got here extra early and we took another crack at it. And how many know it's about consistency, not about a one-time home run. It's about working on that swing. And eventually you get enough swings in and you get a good average and your average goes up. It's not about just getting a home run on the first shot. So we learned a little. And this week, have it all good. And um, we're not quite there yet, but we're, we're getting there. So by next week, they say three times is the charm. Third time is the charm. We may be streaming live with Kleenex. I was, I was all for it, man. I didn't care if I was sick as a dog. I was going to go live, blow my nose, whatever it had to be. I didn't care because I wanted it to work next week. But, you know, fighting this cold, not only did it motivate the message I wrote this week for a month from now, but it gave me flashbacks to uh, some of the trips my wife and I have taken. We've taken some awesome trips over the years. You'll hear me reference those in a lot of the sermons. <clears throat> Excuse me. If I cough, it's because I got a cough. It's not because I'm allergic to you or anything like that. It's just because got something going on here. But we took the trips, and the, my, my least favorite part of every trip is the plane ride. Last week I talked about not liking the boat rides. Well, I like even less the plane rides. And it's never just an easy one trip plane ride across a couple states. It's always like across an ocean or something instead. And every time I get on a plane, this is a true story, not that I'd have to clarify that to you, that it would not be true otherwise, but it's just a reinforce that every time I get on a plane, I touch it and say, Lord, please touch this plane, touch the, touch the pilot. I pray for the plane when I'm, getting, when I'm crossing into the doorway. Every time, sometimes multiple times. When I get in my seat and it's time to start pulling off the runway, I pray again. And every time the plane takes off, all these thoughts go through my head and I, I, I pray even more then. And as you know, you guys know the sound of a takeoff. It's kind of like... And then it's like... You know, you, it's experience. It's because I felt it. Once you feel something, you know how to explain it better. If you haven't felt it, it's kind of like the Spirit of the Lord. If you haven't felt the Spirit of the Lord, it's hard to explain the Spirit of the Lord. But we're talking about airplanes. 
And, and you know the sound, you get up and you're climbing to your, your target altitude before you can then just get up and you know go use the restroom and all that stuff and get your peanuts or whatever. But every time there's the climbing sound, I say extra prayer. Well, this one time we were coming back from a trip and we actually got to Miami. We're gonna take off from Miami now and go back to St. Louis and it's dark out. It's always dark out when I'm flying and it's always raining. And as I'm taking off, it's lightning storm. And we're leaving Miami airport and anybody that's ever flown out of Miami airport, they go swooping out over the dark ocean to then turn to take you into the loo, otherwise known as St. Louis. And it was storming. And so we go up and here's this, I mean, you know, here's the sound. I'm like, that, that doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. I think, I think the engine just died. Oh, God, I was so close to home. I was so close. We were in Bermuda. And I was on the way back. I'm like, we just made it so far. You're going to tell me now the plane's going to dip into the water now? All I could see out the window was yellow lightning flashes. No, no people, nothing. The clouds were that bad. So I thought, oh, oh dear God. It was the most scared I had felt on a plane. And I thought all the things my mom told me that could happen, as usual, and I thought, okay, here it is. And so I'm praying, Lord, I know this is just me. I know just because I only see clouds and I only see lightning, and it sounds like the motor just cut off, that I, there's nothing to be worried about. No one else seems to be panicking. I thought, well, I'm supposed to be spiritual. Maybe I'm the only wise one on the plane that realizes we're about to take a dip back in the Atlantic. Well, what really happened was he was flying below the storm, I guess, before he could finish climbing. And I didn't know that when you uh, take your foot off the gas, that it's like a car. It's like you decelerate. You hear, you hear the RPMs drop to almost nothing. So it felt like we were just coasting. We landed safely. One other time I have a moment like this. Again, we were crossing the ocean. But this time it was an eight-hour plane ride. Eight hours across black ocean. And they say, you guys just go to sleep, and when you wake up, we'll be in Dallas, okay? And it's just so easy to sleep. And here's, here's the other part about the ride that always seems to happen to me. It's the turbulence. You guys know what turbulence is? When, when you're going up, and it's just, everybody's got their drink, and then you're going, and, and all of a sudden it feels like you're the Plinko thing in the Price is Right, you know, the Plinko machine, and your stomach's doing this, and everybody's just fine, and they're, they're doing this, and like it's no big deal, and I'm trying not to puke. Oh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, we got a little bit of turbulence on the ride. Please enjoy your ride. Don't get up and use the bathroom because you might die. Just stay seated. In a few more minutes, we'll have a relaxing ride back to St. Louis. Every trip. So, of course, the eight-hour flight is going to have probably the worst turbulence I ever felt. And, yeah, they give you the pillow, and they just tell you to go to sleep. And there's, there's, there's an elderly man from another country next to me, and he's telling me, hey, if you got to go to the bathroom, you know, you know, wear your shoes because the floor is wet or something. And it's like two in the morning, and I'm laying down there, and I'm that's how I'm sleeping. It's just so relaxing, and there's just this turbulence in my body. And I didn't mention I had a fever also. I was sick, and I was so shaken from the turbulence that I forgot I had the fever. And so I was feeling really bad flying this eight-hour flight. But the turbulence kept me awake all night where I never could keep focused on sleeping because this turbulence, and, and when I thought of the turbulence, I thought of death, I thought of the ocean, I thought of big sharks, I thought of Jonah and the whale, I thought of every water-related death incident I could think of all night long. It was distracting, and I hope I never have to fly like that again. But the turbulence is what 
made it so difficult. It was just this distraction, and it was churning me over and over, and I couldn't settle it down. And it was just like never-ending torture. And all I had to do was go into my meditation and say, Lord, please just get me to ground. Get me to America. Ground. We made it back, obviously. But the turbulence is my least favorite part of the plane ride. And you know, our, our emotions can be turbulent. Our emotions can create turbulence inside of us. Our emotions have this persuasive influence on choices we make. When we lose control of our emotions, we lose control of our ability to invoke wisdom when we need it the most. It's in the moment. It's the hardest to invoke wisdom, and that's when your emotions want to tell you what to do, and it's usually a bad move. It's turbulent. Without maintaining the control center that drives our emotions, our mind, our heart, we can end in a turbulent situation that causes us to crash into tumultuous waters instead of landing safely in Dallas Airport. By the renewing of our mind in Christ, we are to have control of our emotions so they don't make decisions for us in the heat of the moment. See, it's when the turbulence gets out of control, it comes out in your behavior, it comes out, it's your emotions stirring, whatever it is. It might not be related to anything in your proximity, but when that takes hold and you let it brew and it eventually comes out of you, it starts wrecking things. If we go to Proverbs, this is a really long one. It's one sentence today. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. What does that mean? Well, in the Bible, if you got attacked and you didn't have any walls around your city, you're in trouble. You didn't have any chance to prepare for the a defense. You didn't have a gate to meet, uh, mediate between, you know, the outside walls and the inside walls and defend your fresh meat. So the proverb says, if you don't have rule over your spirit, you're like a city just sitting out in the open waiting for the enemy to just devour you. You have nothing to defend. The title of today's message is Taming the Turbulence. It's not saying get rid of turbulence. It's telling you how to tame turbulence. The secret is in how to tame it because it's always going to be there at different times for good and bad reasons. You're always going to have to deal with emotions. You can't just take a magic pill to get rid of those problems. You've got to learn how to deal with the problems. That's how you tame it and that's how you find good fruit instead of destroying your life. You see... We must, everybody say, must. We must be filled with the Spirit of the Lord in order to tame the turbulence. We must be. There's some turbulence, you just can't tame it. It's a, trick, it's a tricky verse. Just have, just have rule over your own spirit, but it doesn't tell you how. If you don't have rule of your own spirit, you're like a city broken down without walls. Proverbs 25, 28. We must be filled with the spirit of the Lord in order to tame turbulence. Because let's face it, 
when we get stirred up, everybody has that button you push. And those closest to you know the button. We get impulsive. And your emotions are impulsive. They're not logical. They want to make you make impulsive decisions. And when you have something bother you, bothering you, something in the pit of your stomach that's turbulent, is stirring inside of you, the devil wants you to let that fester. And he wants you to dwell on it. And he wants you to make impulsive decisions from it and let it leave you, not be uh, something that you can dissolve or tame. He wants you to use it to actually lead you, which leads to impulsiveness. Impulsive instructions. The turbulence brings impulsive instructions. And that brings stress. We kind of make a mountain out of a molehill, if you know what I mean. We start to panic. We get impulsive because something's bothering us on the inside that maybe has no bearing on the situation you're actually in, but because you're distracted by that emotion, you're fueling it now into this situation, which has nothing to do with that reason you have the emotion. We all do it to certain degrees, but that creates stress, and when you create stress, you can kind of become a crab, jerky, not loving, not Christ-like. There's a lot of other words I can't say church. I wouldn't, I would never say them. I'm just I'm assuming there's other words out there that you could say. Emotions are impulsive, not logical. When you feel rushed and you're panicking to make a decision, it's not logical. Usually it's impulsive, it's emotional. I feel it all the time up here. When we're running low on time, I start forgetting everything. And I know it so well, but when my mind gets impulsive, I get stirred up because I'm, I'm thinking about time. And all of a sudden, I lose my ability to logic through what we're doing all the time. So I have to take a step back and go, calm down, Jeff. Calm down, buddy. Here's what you got to do next. A, B, C, D. Take a step at a time. Don't, don't swallow the whole alphabet at once, okay? It'll never work. That's impulsive and that's emotional. You want to be logical, says the Spirit of the Lord to me quietly. So I am getting better. It's a progress. It's a work in progress. Sometimes the turbulence is anxiety. It's, it's, it's really something that's making you anxious, and it comes out in people to people in different ways. And what's funny about what I do now, which is speaking to all you people, is I grew up singing, but I was always terrified to speak. Terrified. I, I was like Moses with a stutter. I think there's a Disney character. It's a rabbit. The stutter? Anyway. And the first time I had to speak in public and there was no guitar and there was no singing was in my graduating class, final business class at Belmont University in 2001. Yeah, I remember the year. And I had to read about my graduation paper on Amazon and how they were going to go bankrupt. Didn't happen, obviously. But back then, Amazon was this company that was selling rakes and books, and people didn't understand why you would go here to buy a book or a rake. It was weird. Obviously, they were ahead of the trend. And so I was, I was doing my paper, and I was terrified, and I had to do it. And I just, I wanted to like be homesick that day, and I had to face it. And so I had this, this turbulence inside that would physically make me shake. And I'd get like this thing in my neck where my neck would twitch my head. It was bizarre. It was like a panic attack. I didn't know back then it was a panic attack. You know, everybody throws around words. Everybody's ADD. Everybody's got anxiety disorder. I, I thought I had nothing, but evidently I had something because I was twitching. 
I think I was just nervous. So I went through it, and I didn't remember a thing I was doing. I don't remember what I was saying, because it was all about me focusing on the emotion that was actually leading the conversation. I wasn't really thinking about what I was talking about. I was just regurgitating what was on the paper. I don't remember a thing. See, the emotions, when it's anxiety or anger or sadness, when it comes out of you, you go black because you're not really there. You're, you're kind of lost in the emotion. You're not able to focus. It takes away focus. Anxiety is a big one, especially in my life. You start worrying. When I was a kid, my mom, I used to get belly aches. And the doctor asked if I was a worrier or something. He said, your belly aches are from anxiety. And you're worrying and you're like nine. I, I didn't want to leave my mom. and I didn't want to go to school. And I was just worried. And evidently, that's a, that's a genetic thing because... My son Colton is kind of like that. He's all bark and no bite. He's, he's Mr. Tough Guy until someone almost gets hurt. And he's like, hey, hey, Kaylee's on the fireplace. He's just flipping out because someone might get hurt. He's a worrier. Worrier. It's a hard word to say. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And that turbulence that's brewing in you, whatever it is, whether it's anxiety, anger, sadness, depression, will slowly creep out into your behavior. Like worry, depression, Debbie Downer, being Mr. Positive. No, that's a good thing. That's right. If you're not Mr. Positive, though, usually it's, there's something else inside causing it. You guys still with me? Assume positive intent. When you want to take your emotions and fuel it on somebody around you that has nothing to do with the situation, you start assessing the situation incorrectly because you're assessing it with emotion, not logic. My brother once said, as bad as they annoy you, just assume positive intent. It means usually it's not what you're feeling. What's brewing that and feeding that and causing you to dwell on? They think this of me. Oh, it's a conspiracy. They're all against me. They're, they're plotting against me. All these people at my job, I know they're all talking about me when I'm not wrong. And they just want to get me fired. It's a panic. You start conspiring theories all off emotions that never had anything to do with these people. That never thought, they never thought anything that you're thinking. And now you're becoming a tailbearer. Now you're spark, now, that's what the devil wants. He wants you to now take the emotion and share it with others as fact when it was never true to begin with. All coming from worry, emotion. The emotion is driving. And it's creating, now it's creating false emotions in other people because you're, you're telling people about these things that aren't true. You're being deceived. Our ability to communicate lovingly is often lost because our minds go blank when we get emotional. We can't be lovingly Christ-like when we're an emotional wreck. The emotions make your blood pump, you know? The turbulence, when you got, when you got a bad situation going on and you walk into a room, you know, people can see it on your face, what's wrong, and they say the wrong thing, man, and you get hot. Maybe it's just me. You can feel the adrenaline, the fight or flight. You guys heard that? Fight or flight response? Nine times out of ten, it stems from emotions that have nothing to do with what you're getting mad at in the moment. Your emotions are driving. The turbulence is starting to spiral out of your behavior instead of just being in your belly. 
And without the Spirit of the Lord in us, we can't tame it by ourselves. We can't have rule over our spirit by ourselves. My job, my day job, is stressful. It's software. I do software programming. It's well, 180 from preaching. It's antisocial. It's highly robotic. It's highly uh, logical. There's no faith involved. And it can make you a little cranky when you're around 4 or 5 o'clock. If I get an email from somebody, I don't, I don't like people thinking I didn't finish something or I didn't do a good job. And I'm better now, but I used to bug, bug me really bad and I could be in the happiest mood. And if I get that email that someone thinks I left something undone, man, I lash out at my I, I used to. I'm better now. I lash out at my kids. Don't talk to me right now. Daddy's busy. Can you see I'm reading this email? Don't you understand I'm reading an email on my phone? The wife says, dinner time. Why are you telling me it's dinner time? Well, it's dinner time. Oh. See, all logic goes out the window. That She actually loved me. My ability to logic has gone out the window because the emotion of whatever it is that triggers me in that circumstance is my work. Took over. I become a jerk. When it gets to this level, and you let that become a habit, you become what I call a professional. You're so used to this letting emotions fly, you don't even see there's anything wrong anymore. You're like a person who jumps out of a plane with no shooting. You just create natural disaster for your life all the time and say, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you, why would you wreck my world? And God said, but you're not listening. You won't listen to my voice because you're busy yelling at everybody. Your ability to logic has gone out the window. You're an emotional wreck. And you're, you're, you used to, why is the plane girl open? Woo, you just run out and jump. You don't even think about it. No shoot, nothing. I have a video to illustrate this point. Sully's not here. Otherwise, I'd tell him, don't try this at home, Sully.
come get me, enemy. I'm fresh meat. And then you go, what is, why does this happen? That's why I come to church. When you get to the professional level, that you're willing to jump out of the plane, whatever, without thinking about it, you tend to think you also owe the person the necessary need to know what you're feeling. I'm going to tell you what I think. It doesn't matter if they ask. It doesn't matter if they improve the situation. It doesn't matter anything because I've got something in my stomach that's turbulent. I'm going to let it spew out of me onto your life. I don't care. I'm going to tell you what you think. No, you don't need to tell them what you think. That's because your emotions are making the decision for you. You're in the back seat and the emotion, the turbulence, is driving. Proverbs 29 11 says, a fool, everybody say, fool, vents all his feelings, but a wise man, say wise man. So he said fool, now a wise man holds back. A wise man, slow to speak, quick to listen. A wise man has rule over his own spirit. A fool vents all his feelings, has no rule over his own spirit. His life's a wreck. He jumps out of the plane with no shoe, and he's not Travis Pastrana. Outsiders can see it, but when you become a professional, you get used to it, and you just don't see it anymore. You think you're normal. We're all, we're all kind of like weird, not normal, but you really think it's normal to act this way, and the outside people are going, I don't want to be around them. When I was, years ago, I was preparing for some Easter service at another church, and we were doing a band practice. And this new church member, I didn't know their name, I just had seen them, decided to go buy super big gulps from the gas station for all the, the band and all the people volunteering. It was, it was a nice thing to do, but in the moment, I didn't know what was going on. She just came in, and she set big gulps kind of like within eight feet of you. That meant it was yours, evidently. It could have been the guy next to me because we were each within eight feet of the soda. You know what I'm saying? Nobody said, Jeff, this is your soda. Thank you. Here you go. Thank you. You're a blessing. Thank you, Jeff. I wanted to bless you with this soda. But it wasn't Diet Coke, so I wouldn't drink it anyway. So evidently, this soda was there, and I didn't notice. And not only did I not notice, but I didn't know the person's name. Two seconds later, you're welcome. I look around. Was she talking? Dear Lord, was she talking to me? No, she was not talking to me. The little Sicilian piece I got started to come out. It, it was one of these. <laughs> you're welcome. I can totally see it now. And then it, it, it dawned on me. She was telling me that I didn't say thank you. I didn't even know, I didn't know her name. I didn't know the soap was for me. But because she was, she, she later revealed, God bless her, so we'll call her George. Her name was George. George later revealed that this was a thing she did to everybody all the time. And she clearly had jumped out of a plane more than once with no shoe. She was mangled by this point and still kept on doing it. In church? Hey, uh, something's not working here. Maybe we need some more scripture in your life. Something's not working because you keep jumping out of the plane. I mean, you get mad at someone, a stranger, because you put a soda 10 feet from them and you're frustrated because they didn't 
This is not Diet Coke. Anybody want it? I don't remember what I did. But yeah, it's in my mind. This type of mentality, letting your turbulence fly out into the world around you, will put you in the pits. Because you're spewing that poison, whatever it is, onto the next person. And so your life is residually being blessed in a negative way from bad seed. And a lot of times it's because we lack something in ourselves that we feel this turbulence to begin with. Maybe we're insecure about something. When I was a kid, I thought I was fat. I was pleasantly plump, okay? I'm not ashamed of it, man. I'm, I'm here to bring the truth. We don't water down nothing. And when I was a kid, I thought I was fat and I was pleasantly plump. And we say fat, F-A-T. I don't know if it's politically correct, but that's what I thought I was. And my mom would say, you just stay boned. Like, is that really a thing? Is there really big bones in people? I was not big boned. I was chubby because I wanted to eat everything I could see. You guys probably don't remember the scallop story. My, I took the scallops and I didn't know the scallops. And my, I was puked on the table because my dad was making a point that my eyes were always bigger than my stomach. Anyway, I was pleasantly plumped and I grew up thinking this. Even when I got in wrestling, I got super skinny. I got fit. And I still felt this way on the inside. So in the right situation, I think, are they saying I'm fat? I'm 25 years old. I'm fit. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no Fabio, but I look pretty good at 25. I was decent, and I wasn't fat. I wasn't even pleasantly plump. I was actually lean. But man, it was still in me. And if somebody associated certain words, I thought, I, I could feel it coming back again, man. But the key is how to tame that. It's got to come back sometimes. You can't always get rid of it. you got to know how to tame it. Tame the turbulence. If we let that drive, man, we become the Grinch. The great Grinch in a city broken down without walls. we got to control it. we got to tame it like a thermostat. We need climate control. We need some way to control it. And it's not with medicine. It will, we'll, take, we'll take all these things to try to control it. But there's only one thing that can really control the turbulence. And it's not, it's not, it's not a Prozac or uh, was it Le Lexapro? Is that another one? I don't know why I know these. Oh, I don't know. Maybe because I took them when I was a kid. I had problems stabilizing my turbulence. And, uh, you know, I had issues. And it, see, there's only one climate control system. It's the Spirit of God in you. When you are filled with the Spirit of God, it doesn't make your life just gravy for the rest of your days. It gives you a means to yield to a higher power to tame the turbulence in those situations. you got to have the Spirit. We must be filled with the Spirit of the Lord in order to tame the turbulence. Proverbs 16, verse 32 Remember in 25, he said, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. In Proverbs 16, verse 32, he said, he who is slow to anger is, we can say anger, uh, sadness, he who's slow to whatever emotion it is you want to let somebody know about or dwell on, he who's slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You're better than the one who can take a city from another if you have a rule 
over your spirit. Turbulence is normal and a good thing sometimes. But how we react and handle to tame the situation is the key. If we freak out and just blow up at everybody in our path, we just jumped off the plane. But if we have been born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, is what the Bible calls it, we have a means to yield to the Spirit of God in us and say, Lord, help me tame this situation. Years ago when the new Bush Stadium opened, brand new, it was like 2007, 2008. For those of you who weren't alive then, I think most of us were, me and my wife went down to the ball game. We weren't even married yet. And evidently it wasn't a tornado, it was just 90 mile an hour winds, they said, come through downtown. Light poles were going over, glass being broke, broke. Uh, the drink carts in the stadium were being thrown. I'm not joking. The wind just sucked them right out the front door, took out one of the ticket things you walked through, took it right out of the concrete. And we're, we're hiding in this like lower area, atrium of the stadium, waiting for it to pass. And there's people. And there's so many people. And me and Michelle, and this little handicapped kid next to me in a wheelchair, are all against this back wall. And there's hundreds of people in front of us. And then there's a big old trash can right here separating some of us from the other people. And we should feel this. You ever been on the... Um, the metro link and you're like in everybody's business and you're like you can smell their breath and you don't really want to be this close with people i mean we're not in the middle east but if they think you are when you're on the metro like you're like you're like smushed into people it's very awkward well that's what was happening and people start to press on us and i'm looking like this there's a little kid in a wheelchair against this wall no there's no walls of protection around it so i'm sitting there and the pressure is starting to push me and i'm starting to think we're getting crushed I mean, it was for real. And I texted my parents, and I, I, it's one of the only times I've been truly scared in my life, besides all the plane rides. I said, please pray. We're not sure how to escape this. And right before the storm hit, my plan was to, to run to the car. Oh, let's do that. Let's go outside where the tornado is. I'm gonna run to the car. That's what my brain said to do in the heat of the moment, but it was emotional. And then I calmed down and for whatever God said, just wait where you are. We waited. We didn't get crushed. And a second later, it led up just to here. We broke for another area of the stadium. Had we gone out, I mean, light poles were down. Windows, glass everywhere. We would have been really hurt because we weren't close to the car. We were going to haul it on foot back to the car. That would have been the emotional thing to do. But I prayed and I said, God, tell me what to do. This is a new one for me, God. I don't know what to do. Please let this little boy not get smashed. He has no defense. Please let us not get smashed. I mean, I'm getting married. I got more, I got more to offer than this. I don't want to go down like this. And I'm not exaggerating. They were, they were smashing us. Their body weight was pushing on us like a wall. But we prayed, me and Michelle prayed, I think quietly together there. I know I prayed, I texted my parents. We called upon the Spirit of the Lord and said, Lord, help us. And he made a way. But the turbulence was so strong, my decision, which was lacking rain over my spirit, said, run to the car. God said, hold up, hold up, Speedy. Slow down. 
You stay right here. Thank God I listened. We want to create a smooth riding condition and properly assess the situations before takeoff. You can't do it yourself. You need the Spirit of the Lord. And some of you say, well, I got the Spirit. That's a good thing, but if you're not listening to the Spirit when you need to tame a situation, you're still going to make a bad decision because He's not going to force you to do it. You have to yield to the Spirit. The Bible says the Spirit makes intercession for our infirmities when we know not what to pray for. That's when they talk about tongues and you pray in tongues. And it's Scripture. I'm just telling you the Scripture. And if you don't yield to the Spirit in situations that you don't have an answer, God You're crazy. And I thought, that, that's just not God. That's not God. God would not talk to me like that. That's not the spirit of the Lord. And I kept praying. And I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I just want what the Lord wants. I don't want this for me. I want this for the Lord and his glory and his will. And I'm not kidding. Within a few months, I told my wife, I said, this is what we're going to do. This is what we have to do. And the anxiety just, poof, disappeared. It's because all these years, I didn't know that I was resisting what God was always already trying to get my attention with with a little bit of turbulence I was resisting it I was not embracing it so I had this turmoil inside of me that was affecting me because I was actually resisting what God was trying to do for me but without the spirit of the Lord I didn't know how to try the spirit I didn't know how to you wouldn't know how to tell if it's of God if it's of the world if it's of the devil if it's just you being stupid sometimes you know you can be stupid in your own right you got to be led by the Spirit to know the difference, to recognize the pattern of how God works. You can't be afraid to be shaken up a little bit. I mean, how boring would life be if everything was just good enough? Sometimes you need, you need a little turbulence. That's when God is actually trying to get your attention to say, do you want what I have for you? Do you want all that I have for you? And then you go, yes. He goes, and then the weight is lifted. And that's what happened to me with this church. This weight was lifted. I mean, it's brand new. You, you think there's 50,000 people in here. That's how I feel about it. I feel like it's just awesome, huge, amazing, incredible. Because in my mind, it started as this battle. And I see how when you take a step past the line of defeat, and you say, I'm going to give it to the Lord and go anyway, he goes, here you go. Here's people. Here's people who love Jesus like you. Here, look, we're building something. I told you he walked in faith, Peter. 
Don't be afraid to be shaken up. And know how to tame those emotions. Break the habit if you're a plane jumper. It's not going to end well. Keep jumping off those planes. Not knowing how to handle that energy when it comes is what will cause you to jump off the plane instead of executing down God's course. Pressure. We're going to talk about pressure in a few weeks. I love pressure. When I hear the word pressure, I think opportunity. That's what my mind sees. But pressure in culture is looked at as a bad thing. And we're going to talk all about it. But pressure will create turbulence. And I live with turbulence all the time because God is working on me. And we're going to talk about how pressure is how God turns your lump of coal into his diamond through his diamond system. But it takes a little pressure. And you got to have a little turbulence sometimes to be shaken up to start moving down a course. And if you can't take a step, you can't find your perfect plan that God has for you. God wants you to take that turbulence you feel and redirect it to shine his glory instead of jumping off that plane. He wants you to change lives by his spirit shining through you, not hurting others because you have false interpretation of what people think of you because of those turbulent emotions brewing inside of you. God's turbulence brings a fulfillment unlike the enemy's, which is his attempt to destroy you. What is causing your turbulence is another question. And the best part of it all, no matter how bad it gets, or how, how sick you feel, my mom always told me, when you're scared, some people yell out a cuss word. You just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I don't know what else to say. It's okay to say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And it will instantly console and comfort and relieve the turbulence. My plan wasn't to go down this path fully today, but we we get into more about the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit makes the intercession, there's times you're in some heavy turbulence and you don't have the words. I don't even know what to pray for, God. I don't, I don't know what to say. Just say, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I've been in a ball before with my knees up here over what I look back as petty situations, but at the time, they were mountains. And I can feel his spirit making intercession like my mom pampered me when I was a baby. It was my God pampered me as his child. And I didn't know it in the moment until I learned more scripture and saw, hey, that's what the Bible says. He would make intercession for my infirmities. And he will for you. The way to rule your own spirit is to let his spirit rule your spirit. And you can't do that unless you've been filled with his spirit. According to the new birth that Jesus told John and Nicodemus in John 3. If you guys can stand to your feet, I just want to pray, close. I kind of cheated you all. I said I wouldn't be emotional because of the Spirit of the Lord, it would be from being sick. But I feel the Spirit of the Lord making my emotions a little stronger than just the fact that I need some NyQuil. 
but it's all good because I give it to the Lord. I just want to be a vessel to Jesus. If we can bow our heads, close our eyes. And if you feel inclined to, you can lift your hand with me. No one's looking. I say, Lord, I've got issues and turbulence from different things. And I don't always know how to deal with it. But I know that by your spirit, I don't have to. I give it to you. I want you to reign over my spirit. I want you to be my walls around my city. I want you to protect me from the enemy because I just can't do it without you. And I know that. And I know that you will if I call upon you, Lord. It's a free gift. I said, Lord, just fill me with your spirit, Lord. It's a free gift. And when I receive you, Lord, I know that you will protect me. And when that turbulence comes, I just call on your name, Jesus. Jesus, peace waters, be still. And let you seize the turbulence, the wind, for that safe play, right? We come to you, Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for coming and dying on the cross for us and giving your life when you didn't have to. By your blood, we've been redeemed. And your mercy, we're thankful. We pray this week we can walk in confidence, be bold in the scriptures, and know that we stand strong for a mighty God. And we are thankful, and we want to be a vessel to this community and the world. And everybody say, in the name of Jesus, amen.